0: Well, if you've been with us at St. Mark the past couple of weeks, you know we've been in this teaching series called The Gospel According to Google. And in this series, we've been trying to do a couple of things. We've been trying to look at the curiosities of our culture, the curiosities and the concerns of our culture over the past year or two, the things we've been searching for and about the most, and and re-examining them under the light and the lens of God's Word. And and as we've been in this series, I kind of uh, had this question in mind, like, Is there a gospel according to Google? In other words, is there good news to living in a day and age of Google? And and some people would say no. Some people would look at the day and the age that we live in, and they will say that it is just full of division everywhere, that, that we are so distracted by our devices in a digital age, and that we are so distant from the people we should be close to, and there's just like no redeeming qualities to this day and age. There's no gospel there. But I think, humbly speaking, there is is a gospel according to Google, and the gospel is this. It's that we live in a day and an age of instant and infinite information. Like, think about it for a second. Like, we live in a time like no other time before us. We live in a time where so long as you have a phone in your pocket and so long as you have, like, a laptop somewhere in your home, you can ask just about any question you want to Google, You can type anything into that search bar, and then in an instant, you can have a pretty satisfactory answer to that question. Why? Because we have all of these amazing and wonderful resources at our disposal, like like millions and billions of pages of information on Google, all trying to point us towards knowledge, trying to point us towards truth. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But there's always a catch, right? There's some good news to living in a day and age of Google, but there's also some bad news, right? Right? And the bad news is this, that in an age of instant and infinite information, a lot of times, truth and love both get lost. It's actually really surprisingly easy for truth and love both to get lost in an age of information. Truth will get lost because uh, in all of this uh, quest for truth with all of these different sources, uh, as amazing as they are for information, the directions they point us into towards truth are, are rarely the same way. One person will say truth is this way and the other person will say truth is that way like a hundred or a thousand times over and then we as the consumers of all of that information are left with the burden of truth on our shoulders of sifting through these hundreds and thousands of sources and and thinking which of these voices is actually reliable? Which of these voices can I actually trust to to point me towards something I can can cling on to and put my hope in? It's really easy for truth to get lost in an age of information, but it's also really easy for love to get lost, too, because in that quest for truth, there's hardly ever a loving conversation. There's hardly ever a peaceful conversation, like, especially online. Like, think about the conversations we see online. The last couple of conversations you saw online or in the news, did they have compassion? Did they have empathy? Did they have humility, honesty, vulnerability? No, they they were probably a little bit self-righteous, right? Filled with self-righteousness, filled with this desire mainly to stick it to the other guy, to tell the other guy, I'm right and you're wrong, and now you have to deal with that. And as Christians, as a church, we look at the culture around us and we see all this stuff happening. We see the number of ways in which truth is getting lost and love is getting lost, and, and it concerns us a little bit, as it should. Because as the church, as Christians, we are first and foremost people trying to speak the truth and love to the world. We're trying to speak both truth and love in Christ Jesus to a world that needs to know Jesus. And so if truth and love are under fire, we've got a problem. And we owe it to ourselves and the world as, as the church to ask a couple of questions. First, what is that problem? Well, what is the root of the problem of truth and love? Why are truth and love so misunderstood and so misapplied in this day and age of Google? And then if we're going to ask that question, we we, we better have the solution as a church. Like, we better have a solution to offer as the church the, the way that truth and love can both be spoken thanks to Christ Jesus. And so the rest of our time this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do, is we're going to try to answer that problem, what is the root reason why truth and love are so misunderstood, and then we're going to try to find an answer to that question, how do we actually speak the true love of Jesus into this day and age? And I'll ask that first question again, just a time for open and honest thought and reflection for all of us. Why do you think it is that in this day and age, in our culture, that truth and love are coming under fire? Why do you think it is? And if you're anything like me, your first instinct when that question is asked is to look at the culture around us. And to look at all of the ways that truth and love are both redefined and to say that's the root issue. To say that, that the ways that truth is being redefined from something that was objective and rooted in God's word and His truth into something that is now subjective and relative and just rooted in our feelings, that's all wrong. To, to look at the ways that, that love is being redefined from something that was centered in covenant and commitment and promise and just turned into a host of other things and saying that's wrong. That's wrong. But here's my challenge for us this morning. Like, like it's not to say that there are not problems with truth and love in our culture. There certainly are. There are certainly ways in which the culture around us is trying to redefine truth and love, and that's not good, but it's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem we face in trying to understand truth and love, it's not a problem of the culture that we're in, it's the problem of the nature of our sin. And here's why whether you feel like you are a person who is inside of the culture or outside of the culture, whether you feel like you're a person who is uh, first and foremost a member of the church or a member of the world, every single one of us scripture says is a sinner. We all have a sinful nature seated inside of us from birth and here's what that sinful nature likes to do. It likes to take the good gifts that God gives us and twist them. Sin twists the gifts of God so that we can use them for our own selfish purposes. And the same is true, it's especially true for truth and love. Um, But it's not so much in the way that we're all trying to redefine truth and love, it's the way that we act as if truth and love are separate things. As if truth and love are are options that we can choose between, things that we can slide on a scale between um, and try to do whatever's most easy or convenient for us in the moment. Like we have convinced ourselves as people that it is okay to err on the side of truth and okay to err on the side of love, but hardly, if ever, when it's hard, will we speak the truth and love the way that it needs to be spoken. And here's how that kind of plays out practically. All of us will err on the side of truth at some point. Every single one of us will desire that the truth be made known, desire that the truth be spoken up until the moment where that truth offends and exposes us. Up until that truth becomes just a little bit uncomfortable, until that truth becomes cold and hard, until the truth of the matter is that we've got some issues, until the truth of the matter is that we have some problems that we need to address, until the truth of the matter is that we've got problems in our marriage, problems at our work, problems with our kids, problems with our finances, problems with our relationship with alcohol. And then as soon as the cold, hard truth exposes us and offends us, we don't want nothing to do with the truth anymore. No, what do we want? We want to slide on that scale and ask love to come for the rescue. But what we really want when we want love to come for the rescue is we want lies. We want to lie to ourselves, we want to lie to other people, and we want people to lie to us and tell us this, that everything's fine, that everything's okay with you. That you are a good person first and foremost. There are no issues that you need to deal with. You're fine. You're doing your best. You're doing great. Every single one of us wants the truth when the truth is easy. But when the truth is hard, we don't want anything to do with it. And in the same way that we want the truth when it's easy, we also want love when it's really easy. And I think this is most of us. I think most of us, we try to err on the side of love most of the time. Uh, like, we try to speak love. We try to be honest and, and uh, generous and compassionate in our speech. We try to be uh, kind and humble in our speech. We, we try to love people. We try to love for as long as we can until that love goes unrecognized. We will give love until we don't get love in return. We will go and give love until that love is unrequited. And then as soon as that love is unrequited, oh, we don't have room for love anymore. We want the truth real quick. And we'll look at the people who we think should be loving us, the people we think we deserve love from, and we'll get honest with them. We'll say, hold on just a second. After all that I've done for you, after all the work that I've put in to to put food on this table, to to pay for the stuff that's in this house, like this is how you're going to speak to me? After all the work that I've done to to get these kids up and get them sent off to school to to make sure they get home from school safe and to get their homework done, like, like this is how you're going to treat me? After all the work that I've been putting in for for our marriage, for our relationship, you're going to go do that with them? Every single one of us wants truth and love when it's easy. We'll all love and speak truth when it's easy, but rarely, if ever, will we speak the truth and love together when it's hard. And that's all a product of our sinful nature, this thought that we can choose between truth and love rather than have them together. But there is a solution. And the solution, not so surprisingly in church, is Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, the fullness of God's truth and the fullness of God's love is made known together, and those two things cannot be separated under any circumstances. Like, we believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We also believe Jesus is love. Like, those two things exist in God and God is one. It's not truth or love, it's truth and love together. And the way that we see God's truth and love revealed most fully and deeply is not when it's easy for Jesus to show them. It's when it's incredibly hard for Jesus to show them. Let's look back at our scripture reading this morning, Luke chapter 23. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, that's not a fun name, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then Jesus said this, as he is being crucified, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Look at those words again. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I know this is a little bit of a a strange text to be bringing into the conversation that we've been having about truth and love. Uh, But but here's my conviction. Here is my deepest conviction that in this moment, in these words, we see the fullest and deepest picture of God's truth and love revealed in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was crucified for two reasons, his truth and his love. Jesus was crucified principally because his truth looked blasphemous and because his love looked scandalous, and both of those were rejected. Jesus' love looked blasphemous because he came to the world and said, I am the Son of God, and you are sinners, you are broken, and you have to deal with it. And then Jesus' love looked like this. It said, hey, I am the Son of God, and my love is for sinners, Not for the people who can return that love to me, but for the people who have nothing to offer me in return. That's who my love is for, the unlovable people. And then it was the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Like the people who ironically thought they knew the truth of God the best. And the people who thought they deserved the love of God the most. These were the people who did the most dishonest and the most unloving things to Jesus we could possibly imagine. Because what they did, they lied through their teeth in the temple courts. They leveled false accusation after false accusation against Jesus so they could eventually put him before Pilate and so that Pilate could put him not in a loving place but in the most torturous place, a place designed for the worst form of torture known to man on a cross. And on that cross, both the truth and the love of God stand rejected. And on that cross, Jesus faces the same temptation that we all face with truth and love the temptation to pull them apart, to choose between truth and love, whatever's most easy and convenient for him in the moment. And I can tell you this, you guys what's most convenient and easy for Jesus on the cross, what would serve him the most, is not to be loving. Like, his love, he has given his love time and time and time again. And his love is one of the reasons he's on the cross. No, what would serve Jesus the most in this movement would, would to be giving people a dose of the cold, hard truth. To be giving people a dose of the cold, hard truth of God in the form of judgment. Judgment. And all that would take from Jesus on the cross is, is looking up to the Father and saying, Father, it is go time. And then the Father, because he loves the Son and wants the truth to be made known, he would send legion after legion of angels down to vindicate the Son, take him off the cross, and then annihilate the accusers, annihilate Rome, annihilate all of humanity, and just start over so truth could be shown. But then we look at the words of Jesus on the cross and what he actually speaks And what does he say? We don't see a split decision between truth or love, we see truth and love in the form of forgiveness. How? Because in forgiveness, Jesus is able to do a couple of incredible things. First of all, he's able to declare the truth for how ugly it is. Like Jesus' words on the cross, they're not, Father, forgive them because everything's okay. It's not, Father, forgive them because, uh, like, like, they're, they're trying their best. It's not, Father, forgive them because they're ultimately good people. It's no, Father, forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea the levels of agony that they are putting me through, and they have no idea just how lost they are. If they knew how lost they are, if they knew what they were doing to me, the truth and the love that I have for them, they wouldn't be putting me on a cross. They'd be giving me a crown. If they knew the truth and the love that I have for them, they wouldn't be waging war against me. They'd be worshiping me on their hands and their knees. The truth of God, the forgiveness in Christ Jesus, it doesn't ignore the truth. It says the truth for how ugly it is. But for as much as Jesus' forgiveness declares the ugly truth, it also has this deep, deep desire to love. A deep desire to show the love of God. Because what are Jesus' words? It's, Father, forgive them. In other words, Father, have mercy on them. Don't hold that ignorance against them. Don't hold the fact that they are lost against them, God. Don't send the angels down. Let me lay myself down. Let me give my life for theirs. And that's incredibly powerful. That's an incredibly powerful picture of truth and love, not truth or love. It it declares the truth. It desires love. But it also defines grace. And there's a lot of ways that we think about grace as a church. There's a lot of ways that, that we kind of talk about it. But here's the way that I want us to try to think about grace this morning. Grace is simply the truth and the love of God for you. It's God speaking at sometimes the the cold and ugly truth to you that, that you are a sinner, that you are lost, that you have no idea what you're doing. Like you might think that you're leading yourself on a path to somewhere, but you're headed on a path to nowhere, and you are headed nowhere fast. You're not headed on a path to life. You're actually heading on a path to death and destruction. That is the truth of God for you. But then the love of God for you is this. It's not that I don't care how lost you are. It's that I care so much about how lost you are that I'm willing to give everything, even my own life, to seek you, to search for you, and to save you. To give my life for yours, to lay my life down. And that's the gospel according to Jesus. That truth is declared, that love is desired. And this is the thought that I want to leave us with this morning, that the gospel according to Jesus, it's just a little bit better than the gospel according to Google. Because with the gospel according to Google, we've got a couple of things. We've got an age of instant and information, sorry, instant and infinite information. But where does that get us? We live in an age of instant and infinite information, but we are no closer to truth or love than we've ever been before. But the gospel according to Jesus says this, that we live, like we live not just in this age, but for eternity, we live, we have been brought from death to life because of an instant of infinite grace. And that grace is for you. Like that grace is for you and for your sin, all of the ways that you feel unlovable, for all of the things that you don't like about yourself, for all of the ways that you have just fallen short, wandered away, been lost. Jesus came to seek and to save you. And more than that, he gives you this power to to forgive others not to choose between truth or love, but to choose truth and love together, to lay yourself down for the sake of the world around you, to show people the light of Jesus. And that is the gospel, truth and love, made known in the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Would you stand and pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning grateful. We will come to this morning and we we give you thanks for your truth and love shown to us in Jesus. We thank you for not choosing between the two, but God, for choosing us, for saving us from our sin, no matter how far gone we were. I pray that your truth and your love would sink deeper into this morning and that we can make your truth and your love known to this world around us. For as much as they're, they're attempted to be redefined, God, I pray that we would show them what it really is, that we would lay ourselves down, that we wouldn't try to stick it to other people, but God, that we would show them who you are. We pray that your words would become our words. We pray that your speech would become our speech and that your life would be shared through us. In your name we pray, amen. We now join together in the words that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.